Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Oh, Myrtle! How are you? It is so good to see you. I'm so glad that church is getting back to normal. I know it is, but let me tell you, people are still mean and hateful. Oh, my goodness, you seem upset. What happened? Well, I am. Let me tell you. Yesterday, I was going down Woodruff Road, minding my own business. Oh, Myrtle, was you speeding? Mind your business there, Maybell. Anyway, I was going down Woodruff Road, and all of a sudden, this big old red truck came right beside me. Wouldn't let me pass. No. Oh, yeah, it was a big old red truck with all these stickers on it, like honk if you love Jesus and things like that. And then it had tinted windows. Oh, it was terrible. I bet he, I bet he was a hoodlum. A hoodlum. Uh-huh. You, you could have been in danger. I know, but the more he stayed there, the matter I got. Mm. Oh, I started honking my horn and shaking my finger and giving him not-so-nice words. Oh, no. <laughs> He's a hoodlum. He could have pulled out a gun and shot you. I know, but that ain't the worst part. Oh, what happened next? <sighs> I get here this morning. In my Lord's house of worship. And then all of a sudden, I look in the pastor's parking lot, and guess what was there? No. Yes, that big old red truck. The big red truck, that hoodlum parked in the that pastor's parking space. He has come into our house <sighs> of worship. Lord, help us. Oh, honey, hush. Well, let me tell you, when the pastor gets here, he's going to give him a good dose of Jesus. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure he will. We need to look good and morning, see Good morning, ladies. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good morning, Pastor. Good to see you this morning. What, what's the sermon going to be uh, about this morning? I am so excited this morning. We are going to be talking about the tongue, the power Ooh. of the tongue. Oh, I got some people I can sit next to and nudge them. Yeah, and I'll be on the other side nudging them. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Hey, I got to go finish getting ready for the sermon. But, Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, I want you to come. Myrtle, I want you to come see. I got a big red pickup I bought this weekend. It's parked out there. I want you to come out and see it afterwards. Hey, you are looking out for number one, right? We need to pray. Yeah. guys good morning I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk about what we did and learned at camp last week we had a lot of fun but most of all I feel like everyone had a stronger relationship with Jesus when they left our pastor last week was Taylor Burgess and all week we talked about the our choices and standards our four main ways we learn to make better choices are take a look compare your options make the call enjoy the ride 
So if we use those choices to not only give God glory, but we would be closer to him. But overall this week, reading my Bible every day, even when we don't feel like it, is very important. And I think everyone would have a closer relationship with God. Again, I feel like we had a great time. Um, I always felt like we were always doing something, whether it be team-building activities that led back to a good meaning of what God says in his word, small group devotions, worship, personal devotions. But I'd like to say a big thank you for letting us go and for the adults that were there praying for us um, before we left and while we were gone. I also would like to thank my dad, Corey, Emily, Jessica, and Hannah for being able to go with us. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you, Heath, and all the uh, adults. I know we had some college students go and serve uh, this past week with our students. So thankful for you uh, and looking forward to not only continuing to hear about the week, but feel the impact of the week. So thank you so much. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James. You should know by now that's where we are. And Lord willing, by the end of July is kind of our goal. We will be through of this book, and then we're going to uh, start a short series uh, in the month of August looking at some psalms, uh, and then I'm not sure where we're going after that. So uh, be praying as we, uh, as we ask the Lord where He wants us to go as we study His Word together. Uh, today's a special day, and uh, again, if you have served in any military branch of service, we want to honor you today and thank you. One of the things that your service helps uh, us do as a nation, has helps us have a lot of freedoms, but one of those freedoms is the freedom of speech that we know is embodied in the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which is a cornerstone of our existence as a free society. And uh, I would say probably the most valued of our freedoms is that freedom of speech, the right to express uh, our opinions uh, publicly and openly on all sides of an issue, it's kind of the central way to life in our country. It sets us apart, by the way, from most countries on the planet. You may or may not be aware of that. Uh, and yet, despite the strength of that uh, freedom, there are many times that right of free speech and other civil liberties sometimes uh, stretches us uh, and causes us to enter into conflict, not only militarily and not only government wise, but even in the life of the church. And that's what James talks about in this third chapter of James. And he talks about it in such a way that uh, if you have a study Bible, the heading of your chapter may be dissension in the church. Uh, I mentioned this past Sunday night to uh, those of you who came out for our kind of family meeting and talking about the growth of our church. Uh, And I'll share it with all of you if you missed it last Sunday uh, night that one of the great destroyers of a church is what James is talking about in this passage. And so we want to look at it this morning. So James chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 1. Verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. All right, let's stop right there. Uh, Those of us who teach, myself, Heath, Others who share up on the platform, and not just those who teach from up here in the pulpit, but those of us who teach small groups or Sunday school classes, right out of the gate, 
there is a warning from James that those of us who teach have a much higher uh, judgment and there are much more higher standards for us that teach. I, I want you as a church family to know uh, and I think I can speak for Heath. I don't know that I can speak for all of our Sunday school small group teachers. I hope I can. Uh, but that any time I get to stand in front of you and get that privilege to share God's Word, it's not anything that I take lightly. Um, I, I, I dare say, and thankfully so far in my ministry here with you all as a, at Crossroads, there hasn't been a Sunday where I get up here and flippantly just kind of share God's Word or uh, don't consider the amount of time or put in the amount of time to study it. This is, a, this is an important task according to what God's Word says. And not just for those of us who preach and teach from up here, but those of us who teach in our classes. Uh, and actually, I've said this to those who do small groups in our uh, Sunday school, in the life of our church. Your role as a teacher, I would equate almost higher than mine because you are... Uh, the ones that actually get into the meat of God's Word. I only have a few minutes up here, but in your small group Bible study Sunday school times, you're really diving in hopefully deeper. So there's a warning from James here to consider how important this is right out of the gate. And then he says this, verse 2, We all stumble in many ways. Isn't that encouraging? You're not alone. We all stumble. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Verse 5, also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as to that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea can be tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth, Come both blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening fresh water and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart... Do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above. It's earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." Wow. I don't know how you feel when you read that chapter. But it's just like a machine gun of just ammunition against the heart. I mean, James is just wow. He's letting them have it. And as a fellow believer, I read that and, and we, really could, uh, we really could have the invitation right now. 
If we really understood the weight of those scriptures, there's not really a lot to say, but don't worry, I did prepare. I did, we're not going to end that quick. But really, the meat of what he says there is pretty important. And I kind of see four things I want to quickly share with you this morning as we look at this chapter. Here's the first one when he talks about dissension. He talks about the priority of teachers, and I kind of mentioned that already, the accountability of teachers. He first gives us a caution about being uh, very mindful of our responsibility about what we teach. And then he also says, tells us about how, what we have in common, that we all stumble with the tongue. We all mess up with the tongue. The tongue is a powerful tool. In the ancient Greek, the word stumble that we see there in verse 2 doesn't uh, imply like a fatal flaw. It implies the normal trips uh, that life brings us, the things that will hinder our spiritual progress. I wrote down what I think may be some of those in today's culture that cause us to stumble with our tongue. Here they are. Exaggeration. Gossip. Selective reporting. If you ever had kids or you know kids, you know that one really well. You ask them how things went and they'll give you the answer and they'll give you the truth. It'll just be a selective reporting of the facts. Uh, By the way, they learn from us as adults. They learn from our media because both sides of the aisle of media give us selective reporting and selective details and selective truth. And so James is warning us here when it comes to that issue of teaching and causing people to stumble and us ourselves stumbling, there's some things that we need to be wary of and that's the priority of teaching. The second thing though that he gets right into the meat of this uh, chapter is the power of the tongue. Words are a powerful thing. And he gives us kind of two examples, two illustrations that he uses for us. One is the rudder of a ship. And one is the bit of a horse. Anybody in here ever rode a horse? Ever ridden a horse? All right. Anybody in here ever steered a ship? Okay, a few of you have steered a ship, piloted a ship. You know then that the bit and the rudder is a very small piece of equipment, and yet it will move even on the Titanic. The rudder was very small, but this huge ship. And he's making a point there that those things, though they are so small, have such significance and such powerful. And the question he's trying to get us to think about is, who holds the reins of the horse? Because it's the person that's on the horse, not so much the bit in the mouth, that will direct where that horse goes. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, who is holding those reins or who is holding the rudder? Who is piloting the ship? Because what comes out of our mouth sometimes can, at least from personal experience, can come from our emotions. We get heated. We say things that we don't mean or we don't need to say. Sometimes it comes from our carnal nature when we're fighting this enemy within. And James is reminding us and kind of pointing us to when the Spirit of God is the rider on the horse, and that's who's steering the horse, then we will say things appropriately And that we won't have to be corrected. The tongue can make us obey. Or the tongue can make us disobey. The tongue can steer us. The tongue can, he says in verse 6, the tongue is a fire. The tongue can set things on fire. And I would equally say the tongue can put fires out. I've mentioned before and I've seen this in churches in my 
uh, history and in my ministry where the wonderful cold water committee, we used to call them, shows up and God can be at work and fires start to break out. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. You guys remember that old song? And then somebody comes around and passes on that big bucket of water and puts the fire out. So tongues are powerful. So in these two illustrations with the horse and with the boat, James is kind of reminding us that animals and ships, though they can be controlled by small objects, he switches gears on us and says that, but yet a huge forest can be destroyed by a tiny spark. Proverbs says it this way, Proverbs 26, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows in death is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, oh, I was only joking. I was only joking. I remember when I was a teenager, that used to be kind of the, the cool thing. That students would go around and they would kind of send zingers, I would call them, and blast each other and kind of cut each other down. And then after you saw the facial expression of how somebody received that, that it was painful and hurt them, then they would look at them and go, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Proverbs tells us that's not a good thing to do. Proverbs also says this, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 18, a lot of great Proverbs, by the way, says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Tongue's a powerful thing. How are you and I using our tongue? We can build people up with our tongue or we can tear people down with our tongue. We can give life to people with our tongue or we can give death to people with our tongue. A very powerful tool that God has given us. The scary part is, James goes on to say, thirdly, the pain of taming the tongue. He says, no human can tame the tongue. The good news is Jesus can tame the tongue. He talks about this contradictory thing that happens sometimes in people where cursing will come out and then worship will come out. I gotta be honest with you, this was a hard passage for me to read this week because I'd love to stand up here and say, the great poster child of doing this right is standing among you this morning. Guess what? It's not. He's not. There have been times just like probably in your family... Uh, I remember this growing up when our kids were younger and at home where we would rush out the door to church and even in the back seat of that van, you know, the argument would break out and it would be like World War V on the way to church. And then as soon as we pulled into the parking lot, we stepped out of the van and people would say, how's it going? Hey, you doing fine. We're fine. We're fine. Doing great. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glad to be in the house of the Lord today. I couldn't help but think the angels are laughing and so is Jesus because he, he knows that, does not, that was not what happened in the van on the way to church. And I think a lot of times that's what the enemy uses that time knowing that's where we're headed to be spiritually fed to do anything he can to cause destruction and division even on the way to the house of the Lord. And taming that tongue is very difficult. What I've discovered in our culture, especially over the last few years is it's uh, the the tongue is not just uh, what we say in our culture anymore but how we say it you know we do use if you don't know this or not we tend to use one vocabulary and one tone in church and then when we go outside we kind of change our vocabulary sometimes in our tone Uh, those who aren't church people 
call, call what we, uh, the way we speak Christianese. It's not so much, thankfully, in the, in the life of Crossroads, but there's other churches I've visited and been a part of where, you know, we, we were sounded so spiritual in our conversation, I didn't even know what we were talking about because the Christianese was so thick, washed in the blood of the Lamb, brother, so good to see you with the Holy Ghost. I mean, nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I'm saying what's wrong with that is when we use all those Christianese languages and then we go out the door... And our behavior and our attitude and our tongue and our language and our vocabulary changes. That's where we have a problem. And there's two kind of things I would say about that that I jotted down this morning, even in my notes, when it comes to being very difficult to tame our tongue. I think one of the reasons why is because the issue of tone. Tone. I have that problem, I'll be honest. Tone. You can say things a certain way... But you can also use a certain tone. I'm so glad to see you today. I'm so glad to see you today. I mean, you know, this is totally different, right? It's all in the tone. It's all in delivery. If I come home or see Lynette come home, uh, you know, at night, and I walk up to her and go, what would you like for dinner tonight? I mean, that's one tone, but they go, what do you want for dinner tonight? I mean, that's a different tone, right? That's, that second tone, by the way, is where the pots start getting thrown at me when you have that kind of tone. And we do that in our culture. And what happens is, and I, I know this to be true because I'm guilty of this. We like to look at it and go, but yeah, I said the right thing, so I'm not guilty of, of misusing the tongue. I said, I said what I needed to say. You might have said it the way or, or how you said it with the right words, but the tone and the, the delivery is where things got out of whack. I can't remember if this is a proverb or maybe it's an old thing that my grandfather used to say, but you can, you can win more people with honey. It's a mark of when I used to travel a lot, not so much anymore. Next week I'll be in the Dominican for a couple of days. I know we have our African mission trip coming up, West Virginia. I used to be like flying every week. And of course you have those cancellations and you have things happen at the gate. And I finally figured out I could storm up to the gate agent and demand that you get me on the next flight and just act all angry and get certain results. Or I could walk up and say, Hey ma'am, sweetheart, I, I know this delay is not your problem, but I really need to be here. And you know, I know all these people behind you are getting ready to chew your head off and it's not you, but whatever you can do to help, I sure will appreciate it. And walk off. It's amazing whose name got called over the PA five minutes later with a little slip to be able to board the plane. Or, I couldn't get you on that flight, but I went ahead and upgraded you to first class. It's amazing how, how tone can change a situation. In our world, there's another T that I wrote down when I was thinking about this this week, and it's text. Because we live in a culture, and I love it, you know, I love it, I'm a techo guy. Where we, where we like to communicate this way. And we text. Be careful. Especially if you're voice texting, because sometimes what you thought you said is not what shows up on your phone and gets sent to the other person. And then they read it and they go, what in the world? And I won't get into some examples, because there's some that's pretty crass that have come across where I read that and I'm going, I don't think they meant to say that in the text. And I will text them back, and then I'll get this big emoticon back like, and they'll be scared to death. 
What am I saying? I'm saying to us, friends, there are some conversations, and I think what James is saying, and James didn't know we were going to walk around with these, but I think what James is reminding us, there's some things we need to say. By the way, Matthew's Gospel talks about this when it gets to conflict even. That we need to say person to person. Verbally. I know that's difficult in our culture because we like to just quickly just send off text. There's some things we need to say verbally because text does not carry what? Tone. Does it carry vocal inflection? It doesn't carry volume. It doesn't carry necessarily the right kind of punctuation. It doesn't carry facial changes. It doesn't communicate mannerisms. There's a lot it doesn't say, so we've got to be careful. So if, if you want to have an important conversation with somebody, believe it or not, you can actually talk on these devices back and forth. You can. So be careful. Be careful. I know it's makes life somewhat easier. But we have to be careful. James is stressing the importance of making sure our communication is pure. What does he talk about? How does he give us that example in verses 13 through 18, the last part of this chapter? He tells us about what communication that honors God looks like. It's full of wisdom, he says, which he's mentioned wisdom before in the first chapter. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, he will give it to you generously. And then he turns right back around in this chapter and says, who among you is wise and understanding? That person who's wise and understanding will have wisdom when it comes to communication. Wisdom not from above, or from above, not this earthly, not this jealous or selfish. So I don't know about you, but as I read those verses, I ask myself some questions. So let me tell you what questions I ask myself. In my communication, is it earthly? Am I using my tongue in a natural way? Maybe even a demonic way? He's writing this to the church, and you may be going... The devil couldn't use me to use my tongue because I'm a Christian. Yo, you need to reread the whole Bible. The devil uses Christians every day with what they say or what they don't say or the tone that they use or don't use. You can't be possessed if you're a child of God. You can be oppressed, though, and you can, be, you can have a rudder, a demonic rudder or a bit put in your mouth, and the enemy can guide you wherever he wants to, even if you're a child of God. So you better be careful. Because I've seen churches destroyed by quote-unquote Christians and the small bit or rudder of the tongue. So what does he say to us? He gives us some examples. Are you jealous? Jack, are you, do you have selfish ambition in your communication? Because if you do, James says in verse 16, that's disorderly and that, and that is every evil thing. If that is your heart behind your communication and your tongue. But he gives us a comparison in verse 17. He gives us some examples of what real wisdom as we speak looks like. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, it's full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Let me just run down that list and make a few comments as we wrap up. He says it's first pure. It's not talking about sexual purity there he's talking about the absence of any sinful attitude or motive as you're communicating in your speech we live in a world where a lot of people and this even seeps into the church communicate in such a way to manipulate or to move people or to get what they want it's not godly 
He says this kind of wisdom in speech is peaceable. This is one of the great word, words of uh, character description in the New Testament is that word peaceable. Most of the time you see that word peaceable as it's used here, it's talking about the deposition, or excuse me, the disposition of a king, the way a king would rule peaceable. So he's talking about being gentle and kind and the way that you treat people. He's also talking about being gentle, knowing how to forgive when someone has wronged you. Is the, kind of what he's talking about behind there. Willing to yield. That kind of speech that's willing to yield. Not being stubborn or obstinate. Or some of the translations will say. Full of mercy, not strictly based on the law, but extending a, a hand of mercy in our communication. You know, I've found that sometimes when miscommunication happens, and maybe I've spoken incorrectly and not said something the way I should, or it was interpreted incorrectly, boy, it's so great to have the person in the other party of the conversation be a person of grace and mercy. We like that when we, when we mess up. So maybe we should give people the same kind of grace and mercy that we ourselves would like to receive. And then he talks about without hypocrisy at the end of verse 17. What does that mean? It means uh, not showing or pretending to be something that we're not. See, there's a way to lie even in our behavior, even without the tongue. So he's saying in your communication, in your speech, don't act hypocritical. James, in these challenges that he's given us, church, he's, he's not talking about reforming ourselves. I got to be with a group of teenagers this past week in Georgia for a couple of days at a camp. And one of the things that one of the youth leaders said was oftentimes we in the church have one of three responses. When we do wrong or when we miscommunicate or we use our tongue unwisely, we will either be people of regret. Nothing wrong with being regretful about your sin. That's just the first step, though. A lot of times in the church, that's what we do. I'm so sorry that happened. Or maybe I'm so sorry I got caught. We regret. The second thing that we sometimes do is we reform. Well, Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to reform. I'm going to do better. Well, really what we need to do, this student leader was saying, is we need to do something else that starts with an R. Because those first two aren't enough. It's repent. It's repent. Don't hear that a lot in church as much anymore. But can I be honest with you, Crossroads family? I've heard that in my heart a lot over the last six months for myself. I, I don't know where God is going to take us as a congregation of church, but one thing I do know, I do not want to be a stumbling block to wherever that is. And I have to repent. In the life of our church, especially our size, it's so easy. This, I think it's kind of ironic, or maybe not, that God had us looking at this chapter where we are in the life of our church because it would be so easy where we are in the life of our church right now for the power of the tongue to lead us away from what God wants. And I'm not perfect. Last story I'd share with you is this. I, I remember it was probably 10 or 11 years ago And I saw him slip in the back, and I don't know if he remembers. We lived in Spartanburg. 
I came home one day from a ministry trip. I was tired. And I walked into the house. And Will, my son, said something to me. I don't, don't even remember what it was. I remember my response. And it wasn't good. Because I was tired. Probably spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. And I just dumped on him, wailed on him, whatever it was. So angry, believe it or not, that I stormed out the front door and slammed the door. Now, don't look at me that way, because you do the same thing. I'm just being, I'm just being honest. I got in the car, and I headed down the road. I love music. That's why I love worship and the music that Joey does. I love music. I got in the car. I turned on the radio. There was a song on the radio. When I heard that song, I started weeping like a baby and said to the Lord, as soon as this song is over, I'm turning around. I'm going back to the house. I did. I walked in the door. And I said to him, son, I'm sorry. I regret what I said. I want to do better, but no human being can tame the tongue. So I have to repent and I have to ask God to help me get control of that tongue. There's some of us in here, just, I don't know every individual story, but I just know numerically, and I know because I know me. Some of us maybe this morning need to repent. You may need to actually get up and go to somebody else in the congregation and apologize. You may be the head of your household and you need to bring your family down to the front and say, I need God's help to get control of my tongue. The tongue can build us up or the tongue can tear us down. It can speak life to us or it can speak death to us. So I want you to think about the words from the text. But I also want you to to think about the words of the song that I heard that day when I got in the car. I want to share it with you. And then we'll have our invitation. They've made me feel like a prisoner. They've made me feel set free. They made me feel like a criminal Made me feel like a king They've lifted my heart To places I've never been And they've dragged me down Back to where I began Words can build you up Words can break you down Start Over the fear, 
pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. It encourages us, it exhorts us. Lord, sometimes it steps on our feet. And that's okay. Sometimes that's what we need. Lord, I pray in the quietness of this moment for these friends in this place that we would be honest before you. We would do business with you, God. We would not quench your Holy Spirit, if there's something that you're impressing on our heart to do or a way to respond, that we'd be honest today. As you're sitting there in your seat, and you're praying, and just encourage you to ask the Lord, how about me, God? How's my speech? How's my tongue? There's somebody that you need to ask forgiveness from maybe a spouse, maybe a sibling, maybe a parent. Would you do it today? Would you respond in obedience to God's word today? This altar will be open. There's chairs up here at front. If you want to bring a family member or you yourself want to come and just respond to what God has spoken to you today, Lynn's going to quietly play. And I'm just going to ask if you would, would you just stand to your feet quietly and reverently? Just stand with me if you would. If you need to respond, just slip out. Ask the person beside you. Just say, excuse me, and just slip out. Even while she's playing, this invitation is open for you. I'm going to ask Keith if he would come stand and join with me this morning. What is the Lord saying to you today? Dads, how you doing? 
know it's easy for us to uh, not use the right tone. If you need to respond today, this altar is open right now. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.